0: Uh, This morning we are in Ephesians, um, once again in chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Ephesians 6, the passage we're going to look at, will be verses 14 through 18. And If you're there, would you all stand as we receive the word of God. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Amen. God, we um, approach your throne for you to declare the message that we need to hear from you. Or teach your people about your ways, about how we need to be and live our lives, not for our own blessing, but for you to glorify you. And as we live that life, Lord, you will sustain us. You will lead us. You will get us to the promised land that you have in mind, according to your will, according to your plan. Father, we pray that you would give us that word that we desire as we open our hearts and minds to you, spirit that inspire biblical re- writers to write these words, at, who lives, the same spirit who lives in us, and same spirit who inspired me to deliver your message. Lord, may you um, truly um, let your will be done, and may we witness and experience it. Father, we thank you so much. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. may be seated. So, as we discussed last Sunday and the previous passage in the relationship as well as the last Sunday about the spiritual battle, um, if you are born again Christian, by faith alone, by grace alone, and if you are placed squarely in Jesus Christ, and therefore you receive the Spirit, You are filled with the Spirit. You are led by the Spirit. And you, therefore, are living your lives by producing the spiritual fruit, which is the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart, in everywhere you live, as you take care of this vertical relationship with God, with fear, with trembling, and you walk before Him. And then you... As you are led by the Spirit, you interact with people in the world with various relationships in life. What you do is you bear spiritual fruits in those relationships as you are uh, uh, displaying Christ's humility, his obedience. Now, again, as you live this life, you're Christ's people. You're God's people. You are spirit-filled and spirit-led. And if you live this life, Paul said in the previous passage, you will absolutely certain to find yourself in spiritual warfare. You'll be attacked. You'll be challenged. And you'll be thoroughly challenged and tempted and tested by the enemy to do one thing, that is to choose the cross, to choose Christ, every circumstance, And he will never cease. He will never get tired of tempting you, testing you, challenging you for you to choose Christ. And Paul says this battle is not against flesh and blood, which means it's not against just a physical being. Yes, you are faced with this obstacle. It could be a person. It could be that circumstance. But Paul says it's not about just physical things or physical beings of this earth, but it is spiritual battle against the enemy, Satan. He's the one who manipulates and controls behind the scene the people of this world and the system to attack God and attack God's people. And as Paul described in the previous passage, our enemy, Satan, is pretty powerful you know, it's not a little red figure sitting on your shoulder with the pointy, you know, horns and the tail and whispering in Tom and Jerry. Remember? It's too too old for you to understand, maybe. Not really, right? You've seen that tiny red figure. Yeah, it's naughty, but doesn't feel like it's dangerous and destu- destructive. You know, little cute horn and a pointy tail whispering giving you some thoughts that you should be you shouldn't be thinking of we understand satan somewhat in that level sometimes but paul says do not make that mistake he is powerful he is destructive he is cunning sly crafty and one of his the best quality that makes him so um uh, difficult is his persistence he is very very persistent and he would never ever miss the opportunity to attack you to ultimately take you down the slightest window of opportunity that he finds he will take that's all he needs to take us down the moment when we put our guards down, that's when he goes to work to bring us down. Now, this is somewhat of a downtime if you are a sports fan. NBA's over and you are waiting for NFL to kick in. If you're, yeah, into baseball, maybe, but baseball is just going through that regular season. So if you are a sports fan, eh, you know, you're just following news here and there. But most of us are waiting for the preseason football sports fans talking about trade talking about this and that all of this. You know, quite some time ago, uh a retired football player once said that there are only two kinds of sports in this world. I mean, obviously he is biased. But he says there's two kinds of sports in the world. There's easy sports. And he says easy sports were sports where everybody can play. And there is hard sports, contact sports, which uh, only men over 200 pounds can play. I thought it was biased, right? I can play football, but not in the sense of the, in the level of NFL or college level. But I do get the point. There are sports that, that you need to be built in that specific way to be able to play. Out of youth once who was a running back, he was tiny, but he was super fast. Because he's small and fast, once he gets behind the line and then turns a the corner, he's gone. As a sophomore, he made a varsity team in Virginia. And that's saying something. And he was a star. He was making lots of cut, lots of news. I mean, making embarrassment moves for the linebackers. But there was that one time I got a call. And it was his mom, and called me, Pastor Jason, you need to come. Um, it was Friday night, I believe. It was that one time he got caught, and the linebacker got his shoulder squarely on his side, ruptured his spleen. And I, I took that out, and, you know, the rest of his history, he cannot play football anymore. The doctor made it clear, if you get a hit like that, you will die. So he stayed away from football. And we, we joked around. I don't think God created us, you know, Korean Americans to play football. Cause this, we're not built in certain ways unless you are 6'3, six, 6'5, six, 250 pounds. You can't take those hits. But it dawned on me when you think about football, Christian warfare, that spiritual, Warfare that we daily face is a lot like football, as Paul explains in ephesians six It's fitting to see Christianity as a contact sport because it's not a leisure sport. The Christian life is no gentle engagement, it's not a yoga class it's hard by the way it's not a you know a a a You know, exercise by class. It's not a class. It's a warfare. It's a battle. And because of the terrible, serious nature of this warfare, it's necessary for Christians, for us to see ourselves as God's soldiers, Christian soldiers. And as soldiers, we need to arm ourselves to wear the armor that is adequate to fight against the enemy who will actually come with everything he has. But with the armor of God, And then the Lord and his strength, his might on our side. We can stand against our formidable enemy, Paul says. We can withstand and guard, fight him off and stand on our ground. That is what we need, the armor of God for us to wear. And he introduces the armor and the element, the pieces. There are six pieces in the armor of God. What are these items? A belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet, and sword. Right? And all of these items mean something. Paul explains it here. They stand for truth, righteousness, readiness of the gospel, peace, faith, and salvation, the Bible, the Word of God. And these are the things that we have to, we must have put on in order for us to fight our enemy and stand firmly on our ground. As we discussed last week, I want to emphasize once again about the armor of God that he emphasized. Before he went into the each element, two things that he emphasized, two ideas about the armor of God. First idea is that it's the idea of permanence. It goes on and it stays on. That's the armor of God. You do not take it off. And when you feel like the battle is over, you take it off. You don't do that. It goes on and it stays on at all times. So the idea of permanence is emphasized by Paul. Secondly, Paul emphasized the idea of wholeness, fullness, the completeness. Which means you have to, when you wear the armor of God, it is given as all those six pieces have to be on you. You cannot pick and choose to wear piece by piece. So you feel like, Oh, you know, I I don't think I uh, need breastplate today. I don't think I need a shield, this heavy shield. I don't think I'm going to, you know, need a sword. I'm going to meet with my friend. That's not how it goes. So he emphasizes the completeness as well as permanence of the armor so that when the enemy attacks, in order for us to withstand, uh, we need to have the entire armor at all times because we do not know when he's going to attack you. And when he attacks you, the, that slight opportunity, little window opportunity, you do not want to give. So permanence as well as completeness is something that Paul emphasizes before he gets into that. Now we're going to look at the significance of each item. Um, as you can tell, out of six items, five items are more on the uh, defensive purpose. The belt, breastplate, shoes, shield, helmet. And the last item, which is the sword, obviously for offensive purpose. And we're going to only look at three items this morning. Um, and we will cover the rest in the part two of this sermon. Without further ado, let's get into the first item. What's the first item? First item in the armor of God is the belt, the belt of truth. Are you wearing a belt today? Okay, I am, because nowadays a lot of men don't wear a belt. It used to be a thing, you you know, part of fashion as well. It still is, but I find myself other, you know, outside of Sunday, I rarely wear a belt, right? There are guys who are not wearing a belt right now. Now, when you see a belt to be the first item, is it somewhat odd to you? I thought it was a little odd. as a first item, that goes on as an armor, a belt, especially as an armor. Because it's a little difficult, at least for me, to consider a belt as a part of the armor. But in the Roman days, in, in the context that Paul was writing to the Ephesians, Roman soldiers were the best there is. They're the ruthless, most effective uh, army, group of soldiers. And when you talk to them, the number one thing, actually, the first thing that goes on without, uh, uh, without mistake, without exception, is actually the bell. The bell goes on. And Roman soldiers would almost every time identify a belt as an important, critical part of a soldier's armor. Now, why? Why would be? Why would a belt be so important? Because it is. It is important because the belt gives a soldier that sense, the feeling of inner strength as he tightens that around his waist. It gives that sense of uh, uh, the tightness. And it, it turns into somewhat of a strength, inner strength. And that is why, you know how uh, um, you know farmers or fishermen, when they have something hanging around and they have to get into, exert some power, they take that off and then what do they do? Tie it around the waist. And they don't loosely tighten that. Tighten it around the waist, very tight. It gives them the sense of power. And according to Paul, this belt, which gives Christian soldiers inner strength. And that inner strength, in this particular case, is what? Truth. A belt of truth. Now, what is this truth that Paul is talking about then? There are many Christian writings out there, uh, comments about this. But it boils down to two ways to look at this truth truth what this is it could simply mean the truth of god the truth of god it could be christian doctrine it could be specific doctrines that that is in the bible that is critical for the believers the doctrines the truth or secondly since we do not have that definite article before that word truth it could also mean truthfulness Truthfulness, sincerity of one's heart. It could be that. But I believe it is a combination of both. What I mean by that is as Christians, our inner strength begins from where? From the truth of God. From the strength, from the knowledge of the truth of God. However, this truth of God will inevitably penetrate us, lead us change us, transform our lives to be consistent with God's Word. And as we live by His Word, as the Lord commanded us, what happens to us is that we become more like Jesus Christ. We are aligned to be more like the truth, Jesus Himself. God will inevitably lead us and change us, transform us, And particularly, what that does in us, it helps us to be sincere and truthful in our heart. Sincere and truthful in all the things that we do, all the things that we think, all the things that we decide. And for Paul, truthfulness or a sincere heart is where we gain our inner strength to defend ourselves against the devil. Let's be honest. I mean, studying the Word of God is not the most exciting time. Sometimes, you know, at Bible studies, discipleship classes is not the most, you know, interesting and fun time. But, you know, even feel boring to sit and study the Bible. And we have this tendency to skip studying but we really want to dive in and get our hands right into it. Jump right into the activity. Jump right into the battle. Don't read the instruction and we just open and just get going. But without the knowledge, without the truth, without understanding who God is, therefore understand who we are. Without understanding how we became Christians, Christ followers, and Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and therefore what we have to do and what are we uh, called to do without really understanding this, we also don't know what kind of activity and how we can engage these activities. So for Paul, our inner strength as God's soldiers begins with this belt of truth, with this knowledge of the truth of God, which will bring out the truthfulness of heart, the sincerity of our heart. We know the truth of God and we live by the truth and it aligns us, God, to God who is true. The the truth, the belt of truth. The second item in the armor of God is the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. Now, just like the truth, I think it has that twofold understanding. First, it can be viewed as the righteousness, and that righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that covers us, covers individual Christians' accounts so that we can stand before God and justify. We're sinful. We have sinful deeds, yet by uh, G- Christ, uh, um, Righteousness when God sees us and when God trying to balance our balance sheet, our sin and Christ's righteousness equals out and we are therefore justified, sinless in the view of God. Or the right, the righteousness without the definite article there can be viewed as a specific act of righteousness. Our righteous thoughts our righteous words, our righteous actions. Think about this. We, we know this. Because Jesus died on the cross for our sin, and through him we have become righteous in the sight of God. As we, by grace and our faith alone, when we profess our faith in Jesus Christ, we're safe. We're justified. We're no longer enemies to God. And in Christ we're not the object of God's wrath. He covers us. The righteousness of Jesus Christ clothes us. And that is how we are justified, sinless. You're okay. You're mine. In other words, we are fit to stand before God and be in the presence of Holy God. That's justification, and the righteousness of Jesus Christ has done that for us. But that's not where it ends. Oh, we're justified. I'm righteous. I I believe in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am right with God. not where it's where it ends. Whether you listen to Jesus, where where you listen to Peter or Paul, because God Himself is holy, and we are His children. We are His people. Then we also as his children, as his people, we have to be holy. We have to be righteous. And this is exactly what Paul wants all of us to understand. When you are justified by Jesus Christ, you already receive his righteousness. But what's the point of putting that breastplate of righteousness again? Does that make sense? You already are righteous in Jesus Christ. But you put that on, The breastplate of righteousness? What does that mean? What Paul wants to emphasize is this. You have, you understand the righteousness and His righteousness imputed upon you. That what you, when you wear that, what has to happen in you is these righteous deeds, righteous thoughts, righteous living, the holy living that has to occur. Put that on. And that must remain on. He wants practical holiness, real righteousness in believer's life. He wants righteous thoughts in us. He wants righteous actions in us. He wants righteous words to come out of our mouth. He wants us to be set apart, be holy. Righteous, essentially, for God to use us for his holy and righteous purpose. So Paul says, put that on, the breastplate of righteousness. Third item in the armor of God is the shoe, the sandals of the readiness that comes from the gospel of Peace. Now, this is a difficult item for me. Every time I expound, try to understand it um, out of six, this is the difficult item for me because it's hard for me to determine where to put the emphasis. What I mean by that is there there are some things that you could possibly emphasize. Uh, What are the things that you can emphasize? Readiness. You could emphasize the gospel and you can certainly emphasize, peace. Then how do you understand what what's really the shoes signifies? And I believe it falls on readiness, being ready, this readiness to share the good news of Jesus Christ which brings peace. Our shoes that you wear Carries us from place to place. And as we go from place to place, we are to be, as Christians, as soldiers, be ready. We gotta be ready. And ready to do what? Ready to battle, but ready to share the gospel. Ready to share about the Lord. Ready to share what Christ has done in you. And as you share that Peace that he gives, and you also impart the same peace to others as you readily share in season out of season. You guys all know that story of Gideon when God called Gideon? He was a very um, less than ideal figure, he's not a warrior. When a, a, you know, he's like less than a normal figure of a guy. And when God called him a mighty warrior, he himself was a little offended by that. God, do you not see me? I'm I'm not that kind of guy. But then he called him valiant warrior, mighty warrior. And God called Gideon to fight against the Midianites. And they came down upon Israelites with 600,000 men. 600,000. So God called them. Uh, God called Gideon to fight against the Midianites, and Gideon went to town after town and tried to recruit as men, as many men as possible, and he was able to gather thirty-two thousand men. It's not a bad campaign, I mean recruitment, but then, as I said, you're up against six hundred thousand, and you have thirty-two thousand men. But ready or not, he was going to go. Because God called him and he went through the whole process and he believes in God. With 32,000, he was about to go, but God stopped him and we all know, God said to Gideon, you have too many men. This is 600,000 versus 32,000 and God said, you got too many. Okay, so Gideon approached the men, 32,000, and said, hey, we're up against 600,000. Any of you who are afraid, scared, you can go home. And what happened? 22,000 men went home. And he's left with 10,000 now. Sure enough, that's, you know, 600,000 versus 10,000. Good enough for Gideon, but not good enough for God. God said, you still have too many. Okay. And God told Gideon, all right, take them down to the body of water. Let them drink water and carefully observe how they drink. Or two group of people out of ten thousand. First group of people, the majority, would drop their shield and their weapons, and on their knee, on both, and they would drink water. And there will be another smaller group who will not let go of their shield or weapon and just maybe bend down to scoop the water to drink as they maintain their alertness. And they're being ready. And when you read that carefully, that that readiness of those men are something that is uh, something that you can um, read into as well as you can see. When you try to understand why God would choose 300 out of that 10,000, 9,700 were let go. And when God saw those 300 men with that alertness and readiness, to battle, understanding the situation, God utilized those men. And God said, you're ready. Good enough, finally. And 300 men went up against 600,000, and we know this story. It's that readiness. It's that alertness as you face each and every day. As you probably know, any organization, any church, or any profit-making, non-profit-making organization, when you look into them, it's not the majority of people who does the work. Does that make sense? It's not the majority. It's that dedicated, willing, committed minority. And same is true in the church ministry, the most ministries are, projects inside the church are done by the not by the majority of people, but a smaller number of men and women who are ready, committed, and willing to do the work of God. And it is with such readiness that God uses these individuals to do what? Share the good news of Jesus Christ. We all know Because we all receive the gospel, the grace, Jesus Christ. But not all of us are readily available, alerted to see if this is God-given appointment, divine appointment that he has granted to you to share about what God has done in Jesus Christ. And as you do what happens, you impart this peace unto the people you share the gospel. You impact their lives. It's that readiness. It's that alertness. So folks, we're only going to cover three items. Um, I I, I had a decision to make. I I was thinking, oh, let's cover all six. Then there will be another, what, 30 minutes on top of this? So uh, it's a little shorter than usual sermon, in which... I'm sure you will all welcome it, right? Amen. Okay, I heard amen for sure. So, folks, look, it goes on and it stays on. And these are the items that we already know how important it is in our lives. But this is Paul's way of reminding us. This is critical. And if you don't have it, it's detrimental. As God's soldier, we need to have truthfulness of heart that comes from the truth of God. You know the truth of God? You know the commands of God? Then obey by it. Live by it and let that be transparently come alive in you. The belt of truth. Secondly, we must have righteousness, holiness in our lives. You have received the holiness of God. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, that is how you are justified. And if you are God's people, and as He is holy, we need to be holy. So we got to be righteous in our thoughts, righteous in our words, righteous in our action. That is the process of sanctification, one of the ways that we look at it. So the third item that we look at, we got to be alert. We got to be alert. We got to be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, in order to bring peace to the people all around us. So we need truthfulness, righteousness, and readiness. And that is how we defend against the attack and stand on our ground. So let's pray. Take a moment to look into our own lives and maybe see if um, we have these items the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes, the readiness of the gospel of peace is something that we possess, that we wear daily. And we ask the Spirit to reveal how we are in terms of our heart, how truthful we are, how sincere in our hearts in all things that we do. In our walk with the Lord, in our daily lives, how righteous we are, and how ready we are, how alert we are to not to miss that opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take a brief moment to pray, and I'll close it, where we pray. And as we understand, that, you, I'll see you. Thank you for the time that we spend to expound upon your word, Father. You knew, uh, Father. You knew that we will be uh, not left alone as we put you first and live our lives all for your glory and honor. As we live this spirit-filled, spirit-led life, Lord, we will be attacked. The enemy will not let us go on to live that life that brings glory and honor and more people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's attacks. Relentless attack is upon us. We're spiritual being in all things. In physical, emotional way, at the end of the day, we're attacked in our spirit. May we see uh, all these things for what it is and be able to uh, firmly stand on the truth. Stand on uh, the crown that you placed us, and that is in Jesus Christ. You give you have given us uh, the Lord Jesus. You have given us His power. You have given us His spirit, but you also have given us the armor that we need to wear at all times. The items that we cover uh, reminds us how truthful sincere, transparent. We need to be knowing what the truth, the command of God really is. May we live that out. And as we understand who God is and His desire for us to be lameless, spotless, worthy each and every day, Lord, pray that through the Word that we spend time with, through prayer, uh, and through time we spend together with brothers and sisters. Lord, would You mold us and shape us so that we will be more and more like the image of Jesus Christ being righteous in our lives. Pray that with the great commission in mind, Lord, wherever you send us, wherever you place us, at home, at work, at school, and any opportunity, Lord, it may be those divine moments that you have given to us in order for us to share what the Lord, Jesus Christ, has done for us how we can enjoy peace when all things are upside and down. Lord, may we readily, boldly, courageously never miss that opportunity to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and may we impart the peace that we enjoy in their lives. Father, we um go into the rest of the armor next Sunday, but Lord, until... Um, we understand fully and as we understand some of these items, I pray that each and every day as we uh, go back to our places, be mindful. Help us to be mindful of who we need to be, what we need to work on and and spend time um, truly um, in tune, in sync with the Spirit so that you will truly accomplish your uh just good and perfect will through your people's lives. Father, we thank you so much for our gathering. Once again, I pray that you would grant the uh, same blessing over the people who are uh, online as well as uh, absent today. Be gracious to them as well. Father, we thank you so much for who you are and uh, what you do in our lives. And just uh, be with us and go before us. We thank you so much, Lord.